Thank you so much, worship team. All of your purpose are here Amen. So here we go. Thank you so much. You know, it's really amazing how much uh, how much impact our care had upon us. Let me give you an example of it, okay? Um, as a child, I could remember, I had, uh, couldn't understand why my parents thought it was so important I learned to read people. Okay? So as soon as I was able to walk, or even when they were carrying me in their arms, they would always remind me to greet people, right? Always greet people, say hi, you know, or something like that. And they thought it was cute, you know, they thought that was very important. And so whenever we walked the neighborhood, or perhaps we would go shopping, or we would visiting people, or people would visit us, we were encouraged and even commanded to greet them. This would be family, friends, and even strangers sometimes. Uh, my parents taught me that it was an act of respect, an act of friendliness, an act of politeness. And so I remember getting whacked on the back of the head if I didn't do it. You know? <laughs> I can remember my mother putting her, her very strong fingers on my shoulder. You're the auntie! Things like that. You know? But to this day, I still remember that. And so I am supposed to greet people. I'm supposed to greet people. Okay? Now, all this to say that if the world thinks so, so highly of greeting people, I wonder what God thinks. I wonder what God thinks about us greeting people. In fact, maybe perhaps we ought to ask ourselves questions like, uh, what, what is so important about greeting? What does it say about God? What does it say about Christ? What does it say about Christ's community? And about us who claim to follow him? Because at first, you probably walked in the door and you saw the title of the message. You said, oh, what does that have to do with anything? How important is that? Well, hopefully, after we leave here together and be in God's word, you will see just how important it is. And it's not important just to us, but important to God. And isn't that the one we want to please? Amen. That's true. Okay, so the Bible teaches us about reading one another by revealing the true nature of the matter, the meaning, and the motivation behind it. Okay? So are you ready for this? This is where we're going today. Now, some of you have been away from us a lot. Some of you are just joining us for the very first time. And so, just a quick review. This sermon is just one in a series of sermons based upon the one another passages that are found in the Bible. Alright? And there's many of them. And in these statements, in these commands, we are both enlightened and challenged to be and behave as a true community of Christ. You know, how many of us sometimes ask ourselves, you know, well, you know, I see this one another, love one another, help one another, bear one another's burden. What does that all mean? Okay, are they just words? Are they just ink on a page? No, God put them there for a purpose. And we better understand them and we should try our very best to fulfill them. So they help us to understand that God's people are different. God's people are different. They should be different, okay? Because we have Christ in us. In other words, how can you and I exude the fragrance of Christ so the world is drawn to the gospel? So 
that the world is drawn to Christ and the cross. That the world is drawn to the message of forgiveness of sin and eternal life. It's about who we are. It's about what we do. It's about how we behave. You see? And that's one of the very first things that people look at. Alright? People sometimes they don't look at they don't completely understand what we say, but they do understand what we do. <laughs> Good or bad, they make judgments based upon that. So the one another commands can be a powerful magnet to draw people to the gospel. Alright? Don't forget that. Alright? There can be a powerful magnet to draw people to Christ and to the gospel. They serve as both a possibility and a reality of what a community of believers should strive to be and do. You see, God hasn't left us in the dark. He doesn't say, be my people, and then it will stop. He doesn't, you know, just go away and doesn't say it. No, the word of God goes much further and much deeper. Because it goes on to give us the pathway of how we should be God's people. And so please, let's not forget that. Now Jesus himself, in fact, was very clear on the, the power of these one another passages. And one of them that's most uh, succinct is found in John chapter 13, verses 34-35. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay? So, folks, the orders are clear. The mandate is clear. We ought to fulfill these one another passages, and one of those is the one we're going to cover today. So, let's get on with it and see what God has to say in His Word about greeting one another. And uh, we should uh, take to heart exactly what He said. And we want to go from just a good greeting to a great greeting. Alright? Okay? This is the important thing from good to great. Alright? And so this is where we're headed today. So first of all, let's turn to Romans chapter 16 together. Romans chapter 16. Now Romans chapter 16 is an interesting uh, chapter. And it presents many different facets of this idea of reading. So follow all of these. The first one is the matter before us. Okay? This whole matter of reading. Why? Because Romans chapter 16 is filled with greetings from Paul. That is his central thought. And he wants to make sure that he greets all these people that he names. Now, at first glance, compared to the rest of the book of Romans, chapter 16 seems rather unnecessary. It, it, it's almost like Paul was looking at this thing. He said, well, I think I have to write 350 words, and I'm 340, so let me fill it up with more words. You know, that kind of feeling. That, that you, you, you almost get that feeling, right? But if you look more closely, Paul is demonstrating to us something very, very important. First of all, if greeting was a uh, matter to Paul, 
greetings mattered to Paul. We know Paul was a brilliant intellect and scholar. How many of you would agree? Amen, right? He's a brilliant intellect and scholar. He is able to leap tall theological towers in a single bound. Alright? That's the way I would explain it to my grandkids. Alright? He was a giant. He was a superman of doctrines. Alright? We all agree on that. We know Paul as a dedicated, determined, and driven apostle who is willing to do whatever it takes to spread the gospel. How many of you would say, yeah, that's Paul I know too. He's the guy that was thrown in prison. He was the guy that was never afraid to confront the philosophers on Mars Hill, as smart and as great as they were. He was not intimidated. He was a driven person. We are familiar with that. We are familiar with Paul, the preacher and teacher. But he also was something else that totally throws us off track. Paul was a people person. He was a people person. How do you know? Look at Romans chapter 16, and you will see that Paul was a people person. We find that Paul meticulously named 26 specific people, plus two others he didn't name, and he added on, later on, he reports for a total of 33 people that he wanted to name and that he greeted. All people meant something to Paul, and he took the time to greet each one. Okay? So get that in our heads. Paul was a people person. It does matter. But also, it matters to the church in Rome. Okay? What kind of people made up the church in Rome? Okay? Were they all, you know, university graduates? Were they all professionals? Were they, were they all this? And were they all that? The church in Rome was a real melting pot of people from all kinds of backgrounds. How do we know that? Because of the readings that Paul gave. For example, in uh, verses 1 and 2 and 5, we encounter females and males. The first one was Phoebe. She's the one who delivered the letter. Later on, in verse 5, we come across a person named Epimenides, who was very special to Paul. So you had females, you had males. Also, you had husbands and wives. You had Aquila and Priscilla, or Prisca. And you had Andronicus and Junius. You had those two people, those couples. There's another couple. Also, but I can't pronounce their name very well. Right? And so they were in there too. And so Paul, at this point, was like an equal opportunity creator. Alright? He didn't leave anybody out. Male, female, married. He had them all in there. And then, he also had slaves and free. Notice. Well, he mentioned such names in verses 8 to 10 as Apollinaeus uh, and Germanus, Dante, and Apollinaeus. Common slave names from some of the Roman and some of the Greek. Alright? And so people who looked at this list, they would be able to tell immediately this is the name of a free person. They would be able to tell that. And just from the name. Also, there were people from different ethnic races. For example, 
We find mentioned in verses 12 through 13, someone named Persis. Who was Persis? Persis was a woman from Persia. That's what that Persis name means. That means a woman of Persia. Okay? She wasn't Roman. She was Persian. And then if you go a little further, you find the name Rufus. I love the name Rufus. I love the name Rufus. I know most of you would say that's a good pet name. But Rufus actually is quite distinguished. Scholars believe that Rufus was the son of the Simon of Cyrene. Now, if you sit out there and you say, Simon of Cyrene was the person who was forced to help Christ carry his cross to Belgium. And the scriptures tell us that he's North, uh, he's North African. He's North African. So here you have a Persian. Here you have a North African. And he greets both of them. Again, Paul includes everybody from everywhere and all kinds of backgrounds. And then in verse 14 to 15, he has men and names men and women who are leaders of the house churches that were there in Rome. So he has slaves, he has leaders, he has professional people, he has husbands and wives, he has female and male that he wants to greet. So it mattered, it mattered deeply to the church at Rome that Paul would single out these people. No matter what their station or status or society, Paul greeted them all. What does that say to you and me? Alright, at the end of the day, church is a community of believers from all walks of life. The young, old, the rich, the poor, the slave, the free, the male, and the female. We also remember that as we reach out to people and welcome them into the body of Christ here in JBC. Like Paul, we ought to take greeting one another seriously, no matter what the backgrounds may or may not be of people. See, folks, it's easy to greet people like ourselves. We're comfortable with that, all right? But the challenge is to greet people that are different than us, that are different from us, right? And Paul demonstrates that in his, uh, in his greetings. So greeting one another is a serious act extended to all people. That's the fact of the matter. That's the one of the cores of the issue, all right? Now, this moves us on to the next one. Why is this so serious? Is it just saying hi or goodbye or I'll see you later? It's good to see you, okay? Um, I have to confess, I watch American Idol. But she's still my wife, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, Ryan Seacrest. He's a very skilled MC. He's actually a radio uh, disc jockey these days, but he also moonlights as an MC. I know. And so when he gets out there and he does his thing, you know, he always says to the boys, oh, good to see you, good to see you. Can't even remember that. You know, good to see you. People in the audience, good to see you. You know, glad you're here. You know, all kinds of stuff. And, and, and somehow there's something a little shallow. Alright, he's something a little shallow. He does a very good job, but it's still something very shallow. 
Is that what we God means by a greeting? What is the meaning, the biblical meaning of a greeting? Now hang on to your seatbelt here because this is probably where it's going to get a little uncomfortable. Alright? The meaning of greeting in the Bible, a greeting is uh, carries many meanings that it doesn't carry today. Alright? For example, it was an expression of goodwill and wishes of divine grace and blessings upon another. Alright? It was a symbol, an expression of mutual love, affection, and friendship. It was a sign of reconciliation over dissension. How many people talk to people that they have a physical problem with? They don't talk to each other at all. They avoid each other. But when you greet them, hey, that's a different story. Well, how do we know? So it's like, for example, now turn to First uh, Corinthians chapter 1. In First Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we read this in verse 3. Paul was famous for his greeting of people when he wrote a letter, right? In verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his greeting. Do you think after he says something like that, you're all ears? Do you want to hear what this man has to say? that. You bet. And so it's an expression of goodwill and wishes of divine grace and blessings. Oh, but Pastor, I, I thought it was just a simple hi, you know, how are you? Good to see you, kind of thing. No, no, no. Biblical greeting would go far deeper than that. Also, in the Bible, a greeting was a recognition or acknowledgement of another person's worth, value, or virtues. Okay? Did you ever ask yourself, why, in when you read Romans chapter 16, that Paul, for the great majority of them, would say their name, greet so-and-so, and then he would give you a little book about them. Okay, a little, a little line, an accolade, if you will, about that person. You see, greeting were a way to acknowledge a person's value or virtues. For example, Phoebe, he says she was a helper of many, okay? And the word helper there actually means describes a wealthy person. So she was a person who used her wealth to help many people. That's what made her special to Paul. He saw her in He called them fellow workers in Christ Jesus, verse 3. Okay? He says in verse 4, they risked their lives for him. Okay, so a greeting carried much more than a simple hi, how are you kind of thing, but it was actually an opportunity to recognize some value or virtue. Mary, he's, he used it to use words for church, who had worked hard for you, and, to, and the word work there means to the point of exhaustion. The first step. And then he comes, he adds to that. Andronicus and Junius, fellow prisoners, outstanding among the apostles, but a tremendous testimony among the apostles. he said, the beloved of God, Ahelus, the approved in Christ, verse 10. Rufus, he called him the choice man in the Lord, in verse 13. Okay? 
you and I need to be careful when we greet people, and especially if we're going to greet them in the biblical way. Alright? If we're going to greet them in a biblical way, we have to be mindful of these things. Now, I was trying to find somewhere in scripture. I said, well, okay, how serious is greeting people in in the biblical way? Okay? Now, to return to 2 John, 2 John chapter 10, and this is what John had to say about greeting. It was Shaka Saka. Alright? He said in 2 John chapter 10, I mean, verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house, and do not give him a greeting. Whoa! John took greeting very seriously. Verse 11, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Okay? So greetings Biblical greetings has a heavy connotation to it. Alright? It's more than a hi, how are you? Good to see you kind of thing. It's much more serious than that. We need to greet one another. I'm always into that. So uh, I'm always careful to try and greet as many people as possible. We come early to service, you know, that uh, when I'm here, I kind of make the rounds of the sanctuary. <coughs> People and try to see how they're doing, try to detect if there's something I need to follow up on. All right? And so, oftentimes, when I'm greeting people, I will let them know how much I appreciate something they've done. And so, um, when's the last time that you have done that? When have you gone around and just greeted people? I know we, we give you time during the beginning of the service to greet people, okay? Uh, and because we all sit in pretty much in the same place every week, we greet the same people. <laughs> so week after week, we got run out of things to say. Okay, but those other people, those other people, and greet them in a biblical way. The meaning behind a greeting in the Bible is to wish someone God's blessing and to acknowledge their work and or virtues. Now. I walked in here, Pastor, totally, totally believing that if I said, Hi, how are you? It's good to see you. Maybe see you next week, Lord willing. I've done my part. Okay? And God has just blown my, blown my head off. And God now says, Well, what's the motivation behind that you read? Okay?
a lot has been made of this holy kiss. Alright, so let's try to dissect this Now, this holy kiss command that was given four other times in the in the scriptures in one form or another. First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse twenty. Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse twelve. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-six, and First Peter chapter five, verse fourteen. Okay. Now, at first, when you hear about the Holy Kiss, you immediately go to your history and you think that was something they did back then. But that's not appropriate today. That's not something that we ought to engage in. But the meaning of the greeting with the Holy Kiss really is a game changer when you understand that the Holy Kiss was a sign of respect, love, friendship, and honor. Okay? Was kissing allowed in the Bible? I want you to go like this because you read some of it. Away. Okay. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, for example, Jacob kissed his father Isaac in Genesis chapter 27. Naomi kissed Ruth and Orpah, her uh, daughter, in Luke chapter 1. The father of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The scripture says he kissed his son. What do you think that? The Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 kissed Paul when he was eating the two wives. So, we have to understand that kissing is against the Bible and is an The church picked this up, the early church, and it kissed the early ship. Uh, in the early church, we considered also a holy act. Not just an honorable one, it was considered a holy act. The reasoning went something like this. The whole the holy kiss from between uh, holy God's holy people is for the souls. So they picked up on the idea of holy kiss. The early church, uh, the holy kiss, because people felt they were truly brothers and sisters of one family. There was no sensuality, there was no impropriety, even suspicion in the early church as they practiced this. In fact, one early church document said this, Then let the men give the men and the women the women the Lord's kiss, but let no one do it with deceit as Judas betrayed the Lord with a kiss. You see? And so the early church picked up on this. Augustine said this, they demonstrated their inward peace by their outward kiss. These are the church fathers, okay, these are the guys who, who set the pace for the early church. Cyril, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem, this kiss is a sign that our souls are united and that we banish all remembrance of injury. Why oh, they have ways of words, you know, yeah. they really did. And you add this all up, and what does that mean to The early church picked up on this, the significance of the Holy Kiss, and they instituted it into the uh, worship service of the early church. It started as part of the regular worship part of the service and joined with the Lord's Supper. But then their abuses came, 
And by the fourth century, it starts to disappear. It starts to disappear. By the 13th century, it is almost completely abolished, except in the Eastern Church and some other smaller churches. But the point is, there's no sense of impropriety or sensuality. There's no negative about it in the early church. To greet one another with a holy kiss was a way to show one's love, respect, honor, friendship, and kinship in the Lord to one another in the body of Christ. Yeah. Please, 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 don't leave here today and say, Pastor wants us to kiss each other. I can't do that. I can't have it. I can't do it. I'm not advocating the whole thing. But I am advocating the purpose of And that is we want to find ways to express our holy, innocent affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ in an appropriately sensitive way. Okay? In an appropriately sensitive way. And so, this may result, for example, in acts of kindness. It may result in words of comfort and encouragement. And maybe even in shedding of tears of joy and sorrow. Okay? There's other ways to express our love, our respect, our honoring of people. It doesn't have to be a holy kiss. It's not a take it or leave it kind of situation. We have to do what is appropriate. Let me give you this example. I was, <laughs> I, I was young and going in the ministry of the Lord. So I think it was my second year of being a pastor of the church. I'm still a student of Dallas Ministry. So I went to speak in, in, uh, in San Antonio. Right? You have to understand, Texas, there's the United States and then there's Texas. Alright? <laughs> Texas people think they're only way. That's why there's so many guns. And so I went there and I drove into the parking lot and I got out of my car. My wife was with me and you know my kids were all with me. And we started heading to the church. And suddenly this rather large woman saw me from the other side of the parking lot and I couldn't even remember her name. I didn't know who she was. And she said, Pastor Wall, Pastor Wall. She was shouting at the top of her foot. She comes up to me and she lays on this gigantic Texas bear hug. You know? And so my shoulder, my face was over the shoulder and I'm like this, Mr. Five, you know? And my wife was looking at me. And I was going, not my fault. And she was just so excited to see me and all this. I learned later that she was at a camp, uh, a, a church retreat, and she had heard me speak and she had heard me do a workshop or something. And she was very excited about seeing me again. And so she greeted me the Texas way. All right? And I just wasn't prepared. I just wasn't prepared. With a nice. It was nice to be noticed, it was nice to be treated, but a little tough on the lips. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we have to look for a more really sensitive way to express ourselves to people. Ask yourself, when was the last time you received an expression of love, respect, honor, and 
relationship from another brother or sister. Some of us in here were very honest in the a long time. A very long time. Anybody that was in a church in a way that's biblical, in a way that was really sincere and honest. Some of us need to uh, ask ourselves when the last time we expressed our love and respect and honor friendship and relationship with another brother. Because we're so quick to get out of here, we're so quick to catch the bus. Don't worry, the bus is the bus. Change of you always to agree in a biblical fashion. And you will find that your life will be different. You will find that their life will be different. And so the motivation behind the open kiss or any other way of expressing our love and respect and honor and friendship and kinship uh, to one another in the body of Christ um, is that we totally want to do it in a biblical way and we want to do it totally. So, where do we start with this? Okay? What should should what should you and can you do? Ask yourself, is there a Christian brother or sister that you don't want to be in a biblical way? Okay? Ask yourself that question. Is there somebody that you have such strong negative feelings about that you said, I, 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 I can't even walk up to them. I, I, I can't even wave to them from across the basketball court. I, 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 right? Because there's something between you and them. And think back, what is it that God wants us to do? He wants to Take a step, take a step towards being a brother and sister in Christ. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself honor. Send a text, an email, or, or you may even make a phone call. You'd be surprised to be shocked out of your mind. They just start to offer to have a meal or come and see your coffee together. Don't be shocked. Show them you love and respect and honor them in your relationship. Express to them that their friendship and kinship are more important. And to the Lord. Okay. People say, Pastor, if there's anything negative about your ministry, you do them to me. Okay. To which that's technically. I'm just trying to demonstrate the word of me. Why should anybody come to our church if we're not? 
going to give them the time to take Why should they come? Because it doesn't preaching, teaching. I hope that, that that's part of it. But I'm really hoping that also, also, in addition to the wonderful relational aspect of the people of Jesus. That's the part that I'm doing. That's the part that I really believe the Lord is <coughs> People come to church hoping someone will notice them, greet them, look their way, but they often leave even empty. How do I know there's people who are church in Who are these people? Where do I find them? But the people who have been looking at Tell you what, our bulletin board is fabulous. Okay. But they hide looking at the bulletin board because nobody wants to talk about them. Nobody wants to be there. So, if you see me by the bulletin board, you can come up to me. Okay. But there's other people that are surrounded on my words. Moving upstairs, you get past the table, delicate way, and it's a case of nothing to lose. And look around and see how many people are sitting by the tables. So it's it. You can help fill that emptiness by greeting them.